If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Did you know that Outdoor Classrooms improve children's emotional, intellectual, and behavioral development while helping foster the development of creativity, problem-solving, independence, and confidence? The problem is, overwhelm, fear, and a lack of time can often make achieving any Outdoor Classroom vision into reality more trouble than it's worth. Did you know that we have a membership community at Outdoor Classrooms? It's the leading training community for educators and parents interested in cultivating outdoor classrooms and creating nature-based curriculum. It's a membership to support, collaborate, educate, and bring like-minded educators together. And it's packed with in-depth, practical training and resources for all aspects of planning, running, and growing a sustainable outdoor classroom, plus the community support you need to ensure your teaching gardens achieve their full potential. This month, we are talking about teaching and learning outdoors. Today, we have April Zyko here talking with us about rethinking nature pedagogy in higher education. I believe this is an incredibly important conversation. So without further ado, April Zyko. April Zyko has a master's in education. She is an early childhood educator and a faculty member of the Community College of Vermont. April has worked in early childhood education throughout her career in a variety of roles, including public school teacher, pre-kindergarten teacher, and founder and director of a nature preschool. April moderates the Nature Inspired Teacher Facebook group that has over 6,500 members from around the world. Over the last 13 years, April has facilitated early childhood educational professional development with hundreds of educators who want to bring nature into the heart of their curriculum. April serves as the 2023 Exchange Fellow for the Vermont Association of Education of Young Children, where she is examining the intersection of the planet and young children by identifying ways to support educators in making more meaningful connections to nature as a way to create lifelong stewards. Here we go. Welcome, welcome. We are here with April. April, thanks for joining us on the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. I'm thrilled to be talking to you today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I know so much about you from listening to the podcast, so I'm excited to be on your podcast. Now. Oh, it's just so, I'm so thrilled about this conversation and also we're, our paths have crossed finally, and it seems that we are speaking the same language in terms of higher ed. So before we get into all of that, and 
And uh, I'd love to sort of pedal back and really begin. I understand that you have began your work as a public school teacher using the traditional approach. So why learning outdoors? Why now? Well, you know, I started teaching in 2000 and I was a first grade teacher at a public school in Virginia. And it was very much like the curriculum was pretty much set by the district. And we have the very strict scope and sequence that we followed for all of our content areas. And it felt so much like I was inside of a box. And it was really Mm -hmm. challenging for me to follow someone else's curriculum. But even when I was felt like I was in that box, I was always, my classroom was at the end of the hallway and it was so easy just to sneak outside and it did feel like sneaking, but to like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like why, why not go outside? Right. And, right. Uh, and so even when I was in the public school, I just really felt like kids learn differently when they're outdoors. And so it's, my journey has been 23 years in teaching, but I just know that kids can thrive in the outdoor classroom. And when we make the opportunities for learning outside that like doesn't sound scientific, but magic happens. And just like this excitement and love of learning. And I feel like anything, nearly anything that we do indoors can be done outside. And so I have really embraced teaching outdoors and really thinking about how to support children outside and then how now how to support educators in taking their teaching outdoors. That's fantastic. So really, I see you also have gotten your master's in curriculum and instruction from the University of Virginia. And at this moment, you are now promoting emergent curriculum and nature-based pedagogy. So how and why and how did you, what was your journey to get to this point? Yeah. There's the magic. We all, we all <laughs> trying to describe that magic, but it's so interesting to find out how people land. Yeah, they- absolutely. Well, and I think that it's been evolving over time, but I feel like I just know when I can step back and trust children that they really, they're what they really need, both for their body physically, but also cognitively and for their emotional health. It all happens outside. So even though when I got my master's degree, the focus was curriculum and instruction. And it really, this was in the early 2000s. So it was all about No Child Left Behind. Again, I felt so really kind of in the box because we were going to make adequate yearly progress and we were going to really focus our instruction, particularly um, on literacy and in math. And it was like, there was this real sense of urgency. But as I started teaching and really honoring children and learning how to trust their own inner knowing, that when I could let learning happen more organically, that there was greater connections and Mm. greater depth. And that kids come to school excited about learning because they, it's not just we're on page 15 because today this is what it says in the scope and sequence, but rather like, oh my gosh, the seasons just guide what we do. And when we really embrace a nature-based approach and really allow the seasons and those things that just come up, those incidental learnings that organically pop up, it's just, it's like, learning really comes alive. And so it's been a journey, but I feel so much more joy in my teaching when I have made that shift into this nature-based and kind of more emergent approach. So it's a lot of mindset 
I mean, it's a lot of shifting that mindset. And this is where we're kind of leading to is I think we are both strong believers of that. A lot of why can't we teach teachers when they're in their teacher training about nature pedagogy? If you can maybe define pedagogy for some listeners, but, but how can we, you teach now in the teacher's college and teaching educators to teach outdoors. But before we go into that, can you just describe pedagogy and what that is? And Yeah, absolutely. So I, over my teaching career, I also became a parent. And when I became a parent, uh, my first child was born in 2005. I just realized like I wanted to do things differently. So to me, nature pedagogy is this way of really working with children and really thinking about how we use our outdoor environments to really support both the education of our kids, but also the all of these organic opportunities that happen. And so I'm thinking about the learning space and your podcast does such a great job of talking about the outdoor classroom and how to develop this learning space for children. But then to also know the teachers that I'm working with are often traditional, you know, are in more traditional settings, but how can we take assessment outdoors? How can we use our observation tools? How can we shift our planning so that we're really tapping into all of these learning you know, experiences that are happening outside? And so to me, nature pedagogy, I really tap in a lot to the work of Claire Warden and I mm-hmm. like her framework and thinking about how we can really embrace it, not as something separate, but rather that it's really a part of being, I love the word with nature. It's Mm. not just that we're learning about nature, because when I first started teaching like the science curriculum, it was like worksheets and workbooky kinds of things about nature. And it's like, but wait, I can walk down the hall, like right out the door is nature and we can learn with it. And so this model of really the the phrase that Claire uses is like inside, outside and beyond. And Mm -hmm. so I spend a lot of time with my children in our outdoor classroom and in our beyond space, short walks that we can take. And so helping other educators to really shift their thinking in that the time that we spend outside is equally as important as the time we spend inside. And when we shift our mindset and shift our thinking about the challenges and the obstacles, and I'm based in Vermont, so nearly the whole school year, um, at least five months of the year is is winter. You know? And so learning how to shift our teaching practices and embrace the seasons and then think creatively about how do we bring the curriculum outside, I think is hugely important. Huge. It's huge. And then what I love talking to you about is that you also, you work with children, but Mm -hmm. you also, your, your crusade, your mission is really tapping into our young teachers, our young educators that are being trained as teachers and that why not? And I think Claire even talks about this. Claire Warden talks about this in terms of you really have to start in the teacher training to, so when they get to their classrooms and hopefully all schools And all children will have access to outdoor classrooms, but we really have to start in the training component. So can you tell us a little bit about your crusade and this movement that you've really been a part of, um, this higher education? It's so exciting because you are in the the thick of it. I, um, so in 2010, I moved to Vermont and when I moved from Virginia to Vermont and I was, um, 
or actually we moved here in 2006, but in 2010, I started a nature-based preschool and I was just so excited about this process, working with a with my local museum to create this nonprofit and or they were already a nonprofit, but to create this program. But then I realized all teachers should have some of this in their teacher preparation program. And I wanted, I want teachers who come out of college who see this nature pedagogy or outdoor education or nature-based approach, lots of different terms for it, but to see this as a viable part of of their teaching. And so what I've started to do, I, I started to lead first just professional development kind of workshops and sort of on the small scale within my town. Um, and then I was able to, in Vermont, we have a lot of, a lot of interesting programs and public schools that have really embraced outdoor ed. And so I designed two courses. One is about outdoor classrooms. It's called Growing Outdoor Classrooms. And then the other college course is called Curriculum Development for Mm Nature-Based Educators. And so these two were like sort of courses that people were taking after they were done their degree. And so kind of like that retrofitting, you know, their program. (laughs) I also work as a a faculty member of our community college. And so with talking at the community college level, my students are working towards their associate's degree. I was like, it would be so wonderful if there was a course that that my students could choose to take um, that was nature-based approaches as part of their undergraduate degree. Yes. And so uh, it took a while and I I'm think like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, like, that needs like, an applause. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's those little steps and yeah. I, you know, it takes a while because I'm like, wow, it's 2023. That course finally got added into the offerings. It will be offered at beginning fall of 2023. So it's taken a while to get there. But this is a course that's really like lays the foundation of what nature-based approaches are about and how it can be integrated both in early childhood settings and after school programs, uh, because that, those are the certificate programs and mm-hmm. um, associate's degrees that we offer. And it's so important that teachers have this opportunity to take a course like that. Because what I have found, I I get to work with childcare centers and, uh, and also Swiss schools, but they're like, we, these programs that are already a nature-based program oftentimes are hiring staff that don't have the background. And so when we think about this approach in early childhood, we want our our educators to understand ECE and early childhood education. Mm-hmm. We also want them to understand environmental education. And so kind of marrying the two of those. So I don't like this one course that I'm teaching isn't going to like solve all of the problems. However, I feel like really encouraged to know that this work is being done and that students who yeah. are interested in this approach can can take a course like that. Absolutely. Because I'm I'm even hearing from from centers and programs that they can't find the people Mm -hmm. that they want to be a nature-based program, but they can't necessarily find the staff that that even have the mindset. They never heard of it before. So really thinking about where we can place our energy and put our Mm -hmm. energy into that training. And, and I believe, and I think, and you believe that so in that sort of beginning teacher training, uh, those courses to have that language and that vocabulary and that just exposure to and having this discussion, these important conversations that we're even having now. So 
Thank you for that. That's just yes. phenomenal. <laughs> I see that you also, uh, you have grab and go curriculum. That is, I talk a lot about um, curriculum on the go and making it easy to mm. get outdoors and how can we. Yeah. I think, yeah. So one of the, one of the shorter projects that I work on, it's more of like a workshop series, but it's with both childcare center staff, home providers and school-based staff. But this idea of I think the gateway into teaching outdoors is we have to help others eliminate the barriers. And so we can we can see really clearly what the obstacles are. And so how do we help others overcome that? And to mm-hmm. me, I do a workshop series called Grab and Go Curriculum. And it's not, I'm not sending them a curriculum. It's like, it's a workshop where we co-create these kinds of curriculum where it's like, what are the children's interests or what are those interests that come up every year? So an example is worms. Like there's always that day where it's the first day that they find a worm and kids are so excited. And it's like, I I don't know, you want to bottle up that that energy and enthusiasm of like, it's a worm, you know? (laughs) So the grab and go curriculum idea, and I'm sure you talk about this as well. It's just like having things that are easy for teachers to assemble and the materials, the same materials are used throughout the year, but like as we're changing seasons, we change our grab and go kits or our boxes. Mm -hmm. And this could look like a plastic tote. It could be a wicker basket. It could be your backpack, but the things and tools that we put in there. And so sometimes when we think about outdoor classrooms, it's like, it can feel overwhelming because there's like, you know, design elements and how are we going to pay for this and what are we doing? And to make it simple, putting some materials together into a a wicker basket and grab it and go outside. And so like we did, a friend and I did a mud, mud kitchen training and it's like, make it simple, make these grab and go curriculum kinds of things where it's just like you're bringing a small amount of materials outside and then see the kids engagement and where do they go with it. And through our observation, we can say, oh, they're really interested in such and such. And so the next time that I'm working with them, I can bring these other materials out and learning how to, it takes time to, because I think what happens is like, we do like a high level of adult control, but when we learn how to observe and trust children and then shift our own role. And I think that's an important part of this is like, how do you see yourself? What is your role as a teacher in the outdoor classroom? Like that's, that's a huge question to answer for yourself. And for people who've been teaching in a traditional way, I feel like that's the, that's probably like the heart of it, right? To, to shift into the facilitator rather than the knower of all things, right? (laughs) Yeah. the grab and go uh, workshops that I do is really, really about empowering the educator to go, oh, I already have those materials. Okay. And to say, this is low cost, simple materials that really foster both science education, but also hands-on inquiry and, but taking the overwhelm out of it to think it's, it's hard. Cause when you, when you first shift to teaching outdoors, you think, I don't know, you see these pictures on Pinterest and you're like, oh my gosh, when it's going to be hard to you know do all of these things. But oh wait, I can put a I could put a little basket of or box of materials together yeah, and it's it it's amazing. Yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. One of the things it was funny when you were saying that we have an outdoor classroom circle membership. It's we call it the circle. And each month we have membership missions and they're completely optional. And me- members want to take the challenge and, and they're all different every month. And this particular month was to create, didn't call it grab and go, but we called it a, uh, a literacy bag or something that they could have take home. It was a rather than oh, I call the curriculum on the go 
go to have in the outdoor classroom, the mission was to create a nature-based curriculum take-home bag to really create that link between the home and the schools. But same idea, something that's very easy, something that, that they could take home. So we have the, all the lists of things that you can put in. And so it's a very similar grab-and-go, kill on the go but the idea is to keep it simple. And that was one of the things that we talk about all the time here at Outdoor Classrooms is how can we make it simple? If we overthink sure. it, we don't want to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking too with that that idea of the home connection too is that there's this, this opportunity for us to model for families how simple it can be. And so yeah. in those little bags that you're sending home, like I, I love for children, you'll see this light bulb moment happen where they're like, oh, these are just acorn caps and sticks, but I am yeah. having the yeah. best time ever, you know, <laughs> and it's such a big shift. And so yeah. I think sometimes it's like having those conversations with families too, is like, Families are so marketed to about how are they going to get their child ready and whole like deficit model. Whereas I feel like in the outdoor classroom, we're like, look at these provisions. We have sticks and acorn caps. And, and it's like, we're just cleaning up the vet, the uh, raised beds with the preschoolers. And it was like, we found these Brussels sprouts and it was like the best day ever because we had really interesting materials. <laughs> They're dried up Brussels sprouts that were forgotten <laughs> in the big kid garden. But it's like, that's what we want for children. And I think like it is such a sh- counterculture kind of shift of capitalism and of the the marketing too. And it's like, it's so simple, but the beauty of it is really I don't know. It's it's all inspiring, this kind of work, I think. It is. I I just think it's it is exactly that. I mean, you you couldn't have said it better in terms of it being so simple, but yet why isn't everybody doing it? I mean, I was even mm-hmm. talking in our last podcast about mud and how it's that the the benefits of mud and how every school should have access to a mud kitchen because the the benefits are so enormous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, what, why is it so difficult? Why did it take a, maybe a pandemic to get people to really think, oh, wow, we can all be outside. Yeah. What, look at our, wow, we, we actually have a large campus. Why aren't we using it? So are you finding that? Are you finding that up in Vermont, or, especially during the different seasons? Because you have enormous yeah. winters. <laughs> we do. And Yes. And yes, to both of those, I think, to me, it's like, sometimes, you know, this, the silver lining in COVID for me was, I ended up working with a lot of educators that I wouldn't normally have been able to, Mm -hmm. um, because prior to the pandemic, you know, I've been doing professional development since 2010. But when the pandemic came, it was like, oh, this is a have to now. Um, And so I had really already worked with so many educators to know these are the obstacles. These are really the challenges. And when we can overcome those challenges, an educator can now feel empowered to do the thing. And so gear is a huge one and gear equity is a huge mm-hmm. conversation to have. We have five five months of winter. And so we have to have the right kind of gear to be able to go outside. And we have to have staff that feel comfortable to go outside with it. And so I think that I think it's kind of kind of taking that stepping back a bit and really thinking, what is it that 
we need in order to be successful. And so when we look at, it's important to look at the strengths of already what's working well, but then to say, okay, these are the weaknesses. We have this beautiful campus, but only a few teachers are going outside, or we only have this one little space that's kind of cultivated out there. What else can we do? And taking it, I feel like bit by bit and slowly is really important. And so my students in my my the college course growing outdoor classrooms, I'm working with them right now, it's interesting to see some of them work at Head Start, some of them are um, in child child care centers, some of them are in public schools, and their obstacles are very different, but Mm. it's getting clear about, oh, this is what's the challenge, and this is what's preventing me from doing it, and now I have to take some actions, and whether that's grant writing, or that's tapping into your community partners to help you find stumps or logs, uh, and, and really identifying what you need to make it work, and to know that it's as simple as going out the door. Yeah. And it's like, don't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't wait for everything <laughs> to be figured out. To be, take yeah, that, you know, imperfect uh, action. It's so important. You just get I'm started. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad. Take imperfect action. Yes. yes. If you're going to take anything away from the take imperfect action. So the big challenge, which I think a lot of educators who may have been, been educators for years and years and years, they are, what's in front of them is the standards. Yeah. So they say, well, you know, I can't, I've got not enough time to incorporate nature-based education because I got to meet these standards. How do you manage that? Yeah. So I think part of it is to realize that the standards are there to say these are objectives for our children. And it's not, we don't need cookie cutter. We don't need uh, prescripted word for word purchased curriculum. But to really take the time to think about how can I meet these standards outside? And so I've been working a lot with both preschool educators and kindergarten teachers in particular to say, okay, if we let's focus in right now on math and let's look at the math standards. Okay. Mm. We have four main strands within math. What are the things that we can do outside? And this past winter, I worked with a group of 30 educators on, you know, really thinking about curriculum in wintertime. And when we worked through it, they, these light bulbs were going off and like, oh, of course, of course we're doing measurement when we're talking about, you know, and of course we're doing, of course we're counting and of course we're sequencing and learning about ordinal numbers. And it's like, it, what happens is sometimes I think is that we, we think about our teaching as that direct teaching time when we're inside and that's when we're teaching. And then when we go outside, it's just free play. And I am all for free play, not, not putting it down, but what kinds of observations can we make during children with free play? They're playing hide and seek and you just heard them count to 20 for the first time ever. And becoming shifting that role into observing the things that are happening. And then also for those teachers who do need to really document to the standards, we can do that outside and learning how to develop, whether it's through anecdotal notes or doing checklists, it's, it is possible. And I teach a lot about that in my curriculum course, because what teachers find is that they, they are only thinking 
about the in the box time or like the Absolutely, inside class yeah. time. And I think part of it is shifting. And so I encourage educators to start small and just start to think about one area that you're observing outdoors. And to me, math is maybe the easiest thing because math is it's finite and you're looking at specific skills mm-hmm. and you can think about your learning environment to say, oh, we need to work on number recognition. Yeah. Tree cookies with numbers. I can do, we could paint, we could paint numerals in the snow with liquid watercolors, or we could, on our stepping stones, we could add chalk to them with numerals. Start small, start with one particular focused area, and then build your confidence with that yeah. and feel comfortable with it. And to know that this is really when she, I love Ray Picca and all of the work that she yeah. does talking about in our body and movement mm-hmm. activities. And it's like, we can, when we're outside, we're moving our bodies in big ways and we can be doing really important learning. And so not to get overwhelmed to think of like all, I remember when I was a first grade teacher, we had these in Virginia, this is so funny, the standards are called. <laughs> They're called standards of learning. And so the acronym is SOL, which is also like, uh, I'll let you put that together. <laughs> Something out of luck. You know, it's a, I don't think we say that on clean podcast, um, but you know, it's like we had these SOLs and we had these like thick card stock cards for each child and they were double-sided and you had one for literacy, one for math, one for social studies and one for science. And it was like, it felt overwhelming the amount, but if you were just say, going to focus on those math standards yeah. outside you would really quickly be like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I do have confidence to do this. And so start small with it and see the wins and then talk with other educators who are doing it and then realize like, oh, it is possible. Yeah. Have you seen Juliet Robertson's work? I I'm have. Sure you have. I, Messy Maths. Yes. Yeah, I, love she's, her she's the, I get goosebumps. She's just a gem. She her is. Julia, I haven't, I have not gotten to meet her in person and I am disappointed about that, but she comments a lot on my social media and yeah. I I feel like she's such a good friend and her, her book, Messy Maths, I think it's one that I always take with me to trainings because I'm like, there's so many good ideas and her website is wonderful too. Yeah. Um, I think sh- that should be, again, if we're doing a higher ed, that can be one of the yeah. required readings yes. um, because it's just, it's all there. She just has done a terrific job. So I'll yeah. put that in, I'll put that link into to the show notes. Yeah. Are there any other things that we've missed? I'm if, So those that are listening, I've been nodding my head very, vigorously this entire time like yes yes there's just so much but really the any other I would say like to me it's kind of like go outside like open up the door and take it outside and feel confident to know that and to trust in children and then start small start with doing some observations and noticing what kids are just organically doing in their play and thinking about how do I embed within the environment? How do I extend their learning? And I, like I said, I'm all for free play. And I know those of us who feel more constrained to have to teach to certain standards, we can do it and certainly can do it in a play-based environment and do it exclusively outdoors when we have the materials out there to do it. And then I think it is all about building building your confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that confidence comes in community. So I'm not part of your circle membership, but like being a part of something like that, or, you know, taking a course where you're like, okay, I'm doing this thing and it builds your confidence. And it just, it's like that snowball effect where you're like, oh, 
that was easy to do math outside. Well, let me see. Maybe I could do, let's see, what. how could we do? And now this is airing in at the end of May, which it's like, now it's perfect time to go outside and yeah. write it do sensory writing and do, you know, all kinds of things. And so take those wins. And then when you come to those obstacles, have that growth mindset, like, okay, now my kids can't take their gloves off because it's the middle of winter. What am I doing now? Right. And, you know, I think that seeing those obstacles and then going, okay, if this is hard or this is a little challenge for me, that, but there's many of us doing the work who have tons of ideas to support yeah. I can't say that enough. I, I run a parent-child na- nature classes, have our class and it being warmer here in Massachusetts, we feel like, and they come literally all winter long. And we, and I'm sure you have folks in Vermont that feel the same way, but we were sort of like walking a little taller because we felt like, yeah, we made it through the winter. So it's really getting out of your comfort zone. And it's a lot of mindset, which you had talked about Mm-hmm. But even where the beginning of this conversation was really capturing that magic, yeah. there is something I get goosebumps every time I talk about it, but it's, it's cap. There's a magic in being outdoors ourselves, but also with children and then combining at that with their, their education and their, te- their teaching. It's, yeah. it's done. It's, it shows in the research. It shows Absolutely. in everything that we can do. And if we can keep these important conversations going and streamlining and just keep talking about it. So it becomes sort of the norm. Then that's, I think that's the vision. That's the dream is to, to make it normal that we, that yes, every single school should have an outdoor classroom and Mm -hmm. every teacher should be, it shouldn't be a, a thing, an extra thing. It should be just, this is what we do. Yeah. And tell your story. I think like when you're doing, even if you've only taken one lesson all yeah. month outside, take photographs of that lesson and share yeah. it, tell your story to others. And I, I feel that social media can be sort of like the swamp of things, or it can be this opportunity to show and think sharing pictures of year round outdoor learning is a real, you know, to me, it's, it's like telling the story of how this works and showing you know, how it yeah. works and feel really empowering. And I have my Nature Inspired Teacher. It's a Facebook group called Nature Inspired Teacher. We have 6,000 members from around the world. Mm. And they don't, their seasons are, people in the Southern Hemisphere are in the opposite season as us. But I just think we have this opportunity to share pictures of like, yeah, it was really wet and soggy. And like you were talking about mud, mud is a perfect learning opportunity. But for how long have we seen mud as like, don't go in there. No, I don't want to do extra laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas it's like, oh, wait, if we have the right gear and kids can go in there and it isn't actually even extra laundry for the families if we have the right gear at our programs. But I think capturing that with photographs and sharing, sharing with your currently enrolled students but also sharing with the world as a as a whole. I have friends who are grandparents now and they're like, I love the stuff you share, April. When my grandkids come over, I, you know, I'm yeah. not a teacher, but I do that kind of stuff now because yeah. I see you, you just threw some stuff in a basket, you know, and then we went into the forest and had a picnic and I'm gonna remember that for it was like the most beautiful thing. It's like, yeah, it's the and same then it becomes sort of, yeah, it becomes, part of inter- your it becomes yeah. intergenerational, you know, it yeah. becomes not just teachers teaching kids or whatever. It becomes yeah. I've had grandparents as well. It's so it becomes a whole intergenerational community that we're creating and and so all these little sub communities and then everybody but that's actually one of the reasons why I started the outdoor classroom podcast was to create a platform where we can share our stories because there's Mm -hmm. so much in the story 
And Mm -hmm. I also want to invite anybody who's listening, if they want to contact me and share their story, it doesn't matter where you are at. It doesn't have to be a finished product. You can be a brand new educator that is like, oh my God, this is new and this scares me. All the more reason to tell you that part of your story because there are all many, many other people that are in the same stage as you. So that's what we we share. Uh, and that's in our boot camp. We have five phases of teaching outdoors. So really it doesn't matter what phase you're in. Mm-hmm. Let me know and we'll share share it. And I think there's, again, that we can learn from each other and keep this these important conversations going. So exciting. Anything Yay. else that I could talk to you all day long. I know. I <laughs> and know. nod my head I... and go, hallelujah. <laughs> We're doing it. Yeah. I, um, I think the last point that I would make is that there is a really important part to teaching children outdoors is that we ourselves make time our own time to spend outside. And so even if it's, even if you can only commit five or 10 minutes a day, you know, go for a walkabout, like go wander, um, go with no particular mission, but to spend time outside. Because what I find is when, when I'm not doing that, I'm not as connected to nature myself, Mm. but it's that those little moments. And to me, um, you know, I grew up with nature. I grew up like kind of in the swamps of Delaware and, you know, sort of had a nature naturalized sort of childhood, but many of our children don't. And many of the adults that we work with <laughs> don't either, but even just making time to go outside in five minutes, you have five minutes, you scroll for more than five or 10 minutes on your phone go stroll instead of scroll. It's like that green time instead of screen time is important. And we talk about the health benefits, physical, the the cognitive, the social, emotional, all of these even spiritual benefits of spending time outside for children. That is, is true for the whole lifespan. And so making your own time and making that commitment to you. And I think sometimes we get just so busy in life where we're like, you know, we just don't make the time. So and yeah. it doesn't have to be not national parks, though I highly recommend them. Uh, it can just be yeah. your backyard or your town forest or whatever, but making those, making that little bit of time, you then feel more connected to nature yeah. and just, it's like part of your life. So yeah. uh, I, that is the perfect icing on the cake with the cherry on top. And that's the perfect. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I think we as educators and parents, we often put ourselves last. Mm -hmm. And so if we can kind of really make sure that we too are finding and even our own sit spot that we might find a sit our own sit spot where we might take a cup of tea and we go to the same spot every day and just sit, enjoy. So it can be just being out outside. So I want to thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your stories. I'm invigorated and excited and I look forward to uh, many, many more conversations and I hope that we can invite you into the circle and talk to our (laughs) members and, and have a wonderful continuous conversation. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us here at the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anybody who you think would enjoy it and follow us on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. If you want to continue the conversation even deeper, please join us in the Circle community. The purpose of the Circle is to support, guide, and push you as you continually grow and sustain your outdoor classroom by providing the tools to help you 
set the right goals, then actually follow through in achieving those goals with the support of our amazing community. Each month, 24-7, you get guidance and support from myself. You get to begin your journey with our new member roadmap. You get access to our outdoor teaching boot camp. You get to interact and learn from guest experts who are on our podcast. They come into our membership and join us to continue the conversations. You get to connect and collaborate during two live sessions a month. You get access to all our online workshops and masterclasses. You get get to dig deeper with our membership missions each month and you get to become an ambassador of joy for children. I hope you can join us for the price of one workshop. You get all of this. You get to become a member of our family at Outdoor Classroom. So I hope you can join us. I will share the link in the show notes and we'll see you later. Come join us.